wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And on today's show, we're going to be recapping Game 4 of the 2015 ALDS, the magical comeback that was. I watched the entire game again over the weekend, and we're going to talk about it today. But first, I want to talk about our good friends over at Withing. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one yet. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they're still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale in 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for their durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every way and syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales do not have the Wi-Fi option, and that means you need to have your phone on you. But with Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trends, and even a local weather report right on the scale. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com. All you have to do is go to withings.com backslash MLB to get 25% off. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off. Today we're supposed to be celebrating the start of baseball season. Opening day was supposed to be Thursday. We were supposed to get excited about what could be a fantastic season around baseball, but instead we are left wondering if we even will have a season. Now, I think that the season will start around July, you know, mid-June to July. Somewhere in there, we'll get baseball back. But until then, we've got to get creative because the Lockdown Rolls podcast is here to stay and here to entertain you during your quarantine. So what better way to do that than to actually watch baseball? And so this weekend, I watched Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS against the Astros. And we're going to recap that game Right now on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Royals Podcast again. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So the first thing about this game I wrote down in my notes as I was getting ready to recap this game was the fact that I missed the hill in Houston. It was so cool to have a random hill in Minute Maid Park. I loved it. I loved the novelty of it. It's gone. It looks appealing now in Houston. It looks better than having a random hill there with a pole. But I do miss the, the hill a ton. It's what I grew up on. I like it a lot. But nonetheless, it's no longer there. So I do miss that. So number two was I forgot totally about this is actually in the game now. I forgot totally about Escobar almost breaking his hand. In, in, the, in the chaos of the comeback and everything that happened there, you kind of forget the 
other details of this game, I totally forgot that Alcides Escobar was almost out for the entire uh, postseason. That he almost literally broke his hand. And he was, love him or hate him, he was huge in the postseason with his, you know, as, as it went on with the first pitch swinging and, you know, the inside of the park home run. That all gets taken away if he does not elevate his fingers off the bat and make sure he doesn't break his hand. It's crazy to think about how, many, how much stuff in Royals history, and Chiefs history for that matter now, could have been taken away with one play going the opposite way. I mean, you look at the Chiefs and their comebacks, look at the Royals and their comebacks. I don't think a city has seen two champions that were not only this exciting, but also had this much go their way to make it happen. I mean, you, you cannot script the two championships from the, from the Chiefs and the, and the Royals. You cannot script them any better than what happened for each of them. So, again, Yodana Ventura is on the mound, and you obviously miss watching him pitch. I mean, rest in peace to him. I don't want to harp on it too much, but you obviously just miss watching him compete and watching him pitch every single fifth day out there. He got in a jam in the first inning, but he had an amazing curveball that night and just got out of it. You know, buckling the knees and, and striking hit, uh, hitters out. He was fun to watch. Despite the score, he was fun to watch the entire game. Lance McCullers was also fun to watch. I know that we don't like him because he tried to show up the Royals with the neck chop and everything like that, and Kendrys Morales and caught him back the next game. But he is fun to watch pitch, and I hope that he can come back healthy because after you know he got injured, he, he was really fun. He has that same kind of fire and competitiveness that you like to see when you're watching a pitcher play, and he's very talented. So I really hope that he can come back fully healthy when the season starts. But Lance McCuller is very fun to watch. And then the the Salvador Perez home run. I remember the home run, but I totally forgot about the pitch prior. He had a check swing that went into the stands, and he hit a presumed child, because that's what they said in the broadcast. You didn't actually see who he hit, but they said it was a child. And I totally forgot about that part, where he had all those emotions of hitting a child, and then the next pitch, or maybe a pitch after that, he hit a home run. I mean, that was that was a, a huge scale of emotion, and, and A.J. Przinski talked about it on the broadcast, about how difficult that is to stay within your rhythm after you see something like that happen because you're so worried about the fan who you just hit and, and maybe hurt and maybe damaged or whatever. So it was it was interesting that I, for, I just forgot about the check swing part. Of that, so obviously it was two to nothing Kansas City in the top of the second. Carlos Gomez comes right back with the home run. He now that's a guy that's also fun to watch with with his charismatic and his energy. I love baseball players who play the game like that. And he hit the home run. Didn't do much else after you know after that. We'll talk about his game later on. And then Carlos Correa hits a moonshot to tie the game up in the third. So that home run was also huge. But here's what I mean by Carlos Gomez, and this is how baseball has changed already. From 2015 to right now, Carlos Gomez hits a huge home run off the back arch, you know, in left field, a, a, a monster shot in Minute Maid Park. He got the energy going, got the crowd back in it. He was getting the team back in it. And the next at bat, he comes up. What does he do? He tries to bunt. With no one on, one out. What? Why? You just gave away the second out of the inning. For no reason. Again, no one's on, which this would not be tolerated even if someone was on, by the way. 
I don't think you ever bunt, especially in that situation. But with no one on, with one out, he just hit a home run. He has power. That wasn't a fluke. And you bunt. That, that was just stupid to me. It was absolutely stupid. And A.J. Hinch is looked at as one of those guys who really embraces analytics. And it's funny to see how quickly that change happened because just a few years ago, he was bunting with Carlos Gomez. So also, again, the Terrence score caught stealing. Trash. Just absolute trash. You know the one. If you're a Royals fan, you watch that playoff run where they, they push him off the bag. They go to replay. It's his first ever caught stealing in his major league career. I just, I hate the fact that that's what replay turned into. It's hold the tag and hope that, you know, just by pure and absolute, you know, logistics and, and, and physics that he'll pop off the bag. I, I hate that. I, I just cannot stand that that's what the replay system was used for, especially in the beginning. It's gotten a little bit better now, but but still, it, it's awful. You know, it's 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 not with the spirit of the rule. You just hold the tag there and pray. You know, so Terrence Gore beat that throw by a mile. But since since they held the tag on him and, and, and got lucky that he had to pop up, they got him out. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. But it, ended, it did not end up mattering, of course. But Nedios makes his first mistake of the game when he goes to Ryan Madsen out of the bullpen. Now, Ryan Madsen was really good this postseason. He was really good this season, especially after Greg Holland goes down. So I'm not saying he was not a good pitcher. However, the smart way to handle this, if you look at the situation, this was your ball game. There was one on, no outs, in a one-run game in the seventh inning. That's your ball game. You don't need to save Wade Davis for the ninth inning. You need Wade Davis in there right now. You need to make sure that you keep this a one-run ball game. And, of course, what happens, Matson gives up a two-run home run to Carlos Gomez, and excuse me, Carlos Correa, and gives up a solo home run to Kobe Rasmus. That was your ball game. In a normal circumstance, in most baseball games, nine out of ten times, your ball game was defined right there, and you let it be defined by Ryan Matson. And that's where you you need to shift your thinking from he's a closer to a high leverage reliever because right there was a more important spot for Wade Davis to be in than, than the ninth inning that may or may not come because you just saved Wade Davis in a winner go home game for Ryan Matson to pitch the, you know, the seventh inning or the eighth inning. And you, if you don't have that rally, then you don't get to use Wade Davis at all period in a winner go home game by that logic. You need to use Wade Davis as soon as you run into trouble and the game would be defined. Because again, he gives up two home runs, you know, three runs total. That that's your ball game most of the time. You do not make that this this tremendous comeback. But after the break, we'll talk about how the Astros took a six to two lead into the top of the eighth and lost the game. Back after this on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So we're back on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So the Astros lead it 6-2 to two, heading into the top of the 8th. And Alex Rios is a single. Escobar gets a, as Rex Heather would say, a booty knock up the middle. And two on, no outs. The rally is starting in the most Royals way possible. Alex Rios, of all people, gets a base hit. Escobar hits a ball he has no business hitting up the middle. It just gets through the infield. 
and the Royals are now in business. Three straight singles later, keep the line moving is all that you can hear Rex Hudler and the guys saying after those three straight singles, and then the magic happens. Carlos Correa sees the worst hop in his career. It goes over his glove, and the Royals mount a comeback, which led to them winning the World Series. All because of one bad hop. And it goes down as an error in history. You know, even MLB.com, whenever they list this this highlight video, call it a career error. But there was not much Carlos Correa could have done to get to that ball. I, I mean, it, it just took a terrible hop, and that happens in the game of baseball. I hate that that's called an error. That's why I don't really look at, at errors whenever I'm trying to define a fielder, because... Frankly, errors are kind of stupid and, and pointless and also arbitrary. I mean, the scorer can call really whatever he or she wants to. So I hate I hate the specific error column. That was not an error. That was just tough luck. I mean, I mean, that ball does not bounce that way most of the time. He was in position. He made it to the spot. He was he had this glove at the height of which the bounce should have been on a normal everyday ground ball. It takes a weird hop. It happens. It goes over his head. The only thing I don't like about that play for Correa is that he immediately put his head down. When the ball was, if you go back and look at that play, I mean, we, we remember the chaos afterward. The ball did not get away from Correa that much. If he immediately flips his hips and turns around and gets that ball up, who knows what can happen. Now, does that stop the entire comeback? Probably not. But I would have preferred him do that than to just immediately throw his head down and you see, of course, uh, Sep out on the ground, you know, writhing and, and crying like a baby. So, who am I to judge Carlos Correa in this situation? But, nonetheless, that was a terrible a, a terrible call to give that an error. Um, just a terrible hop. I mean, I feel bad for Carlos Correa because in the blink of an eye, he goes from a hero to goat after hitting that huge home run. Uh, but, I just, I just cannot get behind calling that a bad defensive play. He was there. He, he should have made the play if the ball takes the normal bounce, and it didn't, and it, and it bounced the Royals away, and that goes back to what I was saying, to where I think that the Royals and the Chiefs had the most improbable and historic and downright amazing championship runs. You will never find a city that gets two champions in this short of a time period to where everything in the world broke their way. The fact that Patrick Mahomes' knee was not season-ending type of injury. The fact that the ball bounced the Royals' way in 2014 in the wildcard game. And then all of 2015. You don't get that kind of luck. You just don't. And Kansas City did for two champions. That was awesome. You know, this, this entire, entire run in Kansas City sports has been awesome. Another thing I noted, though, about this team is something that we should all really remember and appreciate is the fact that how much they battled. I mean, there, there was countless two-strike counts, especially Drew Butera, who, again, had to come in because Soto Perez got concussed. I mean, I remember that he got hurt and banged up a ton this postseason. I didn't even remember that he had to get taken out of this game. But Drew Butera had a 13-pitch at bat to draw the walk instead of being the second out of the inning. Whenever, whenever he strolls up to the plate and it's Drew Butera, we all thought to ourselves in the moment, okay, this guy, this is an automatic out. Let's just hope that this doesn't turn into like a double play or something. 
please just just strike out, so that way there's nothing that can go wrong. Instead, he works again, a 13-pitch at-bat, and draws a walk to keep the line moving. And then they finally got the lead on Alex Gordon, grounding out. So it was 7-6 to six at the top of the 8th. Wade Davis came in in the 8th inning, which was, again, smart by Ned Yost to finally realize that you can put your closer in before the ninth inning. So he got a 6-out save in this one. He was lights out 1-2-3 in the 8th inning on 7 pitches. That was that was effective. That was disgusting. And if you want to go back and, and really, truly appreciate what Wade Davis was, all you have to do is watch that 8th inning and, and watch that ninth inning. Watch him close out this game. Because once he got the final punch out in the ninth inning, he was stone cold. He was non-emotional. He didn't even fist pump. He shook Drew Patera's hand. He got back in line, and you could tell that he had more work to be done. So, I mean, just this team was amazing to watch and incredible to watch. And, and I, I just think that we should really appreciate what they were more. Because there probably will never be a team like that again. It for, for the entire history of the Kansas City Royals. And then, of course, Eric Hosmer's two-run home run in the ninth inning. Got to include that as a part of this story. That home run really sealed the deal, and I think sealed the series. I think that that was a death blow because you knew you weren't going to come back on Wade Davis in a one-run game. But once you get insurance runs, it's over. And once you blow that lead where you think that you're you think that you're going to go to the World Series, and if you remember in this game, the governor of Houston the governor of Texas tweeted out or or the mayor of Houston, whichever one, tweeted out that congratulations to the to the Houston Nationals for going to the ALCS. They ended up losing that game and then losing the whole series the next you know, in game five. So it was awesome to rewatch that game and just kind of relive what it's like to have good baseball in Kansas City because we haven't seen it in a couple years. Not that I'm complaining because, frankly, until 2014, I had never seen good baseball in Kansas City. So this is this is nothing compared to that 30-year drought. But nonetheless, it was fun to go back and watch this team play. Let me know if you like this show and if we should rewatch other games in the Royals' run, uh, you know, the, in the 2014 run or the 2015 run. Let me know if you guys enjoyed this kind of style of episode on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Again, this is still going to be every single day in the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On Royals Podcast. One housekeeping note I have, I got a couple questions on email and on Twitter about the ESPN Fantasy Baseball League. Yes, it is still happening. The draft obviously will not be this week. There's just no no sense in drafting right now because we don't know when the season's going to start. And also, no matter when it starts... The, the players are going to need a, a spring training-like period. Now, that might mean that, that the Royals go back to Kansas City and they play the Cardinals four times, the same way that the A's and the Giants play every year, you know, after spring training. So that might mean that's the spring training period, but there's but that's still a chance that, that a player gets hurt before the regular season. So I, I want to draft as close to the start of the regular season as possible. But we will still have the, the league, and we will still have a prize for the winner. So if you want to get in on that league, spots are still available. You can email the show if you don't have Twitter, lockedonroyals at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter if you do have Twitter and you want to be in the pod, and you want to be in the fantasy league, at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network.